everybody, whether you're waking up in a strange place or a familiar place, doesn't matter. I don't know where I am. Maybe my kidneys were stolen. Not quite sure. But there's a bunch of ice. There's a bathtub. I'm feeling real good right now. And excited to talk about Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger, excuse me, on the latest episode of Cloak and Jabber. I'm Alex. <laughs> and as always, riding shotgun is the sis. I haven't slept in four long years. I'm kept alive by methamphetamine and coffee. Boy, is it another bright morning in crazy town. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the latest episode of Cloak and Dagger, the seventh episode of season two, Viking Town Sound. Oh boy, guys, it is heating up on this old season of Cloak and Dagger. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, how'd you guys feel about this episode? I love this show. I love this episode. This this show is so dark and so like sneaky, it gets under your skin and fucked up. I, I love it. It's yeah. uh it's creeping me out. I also really loved some of the artistic shots and stuff that we had in this episode. It's you mean not injections? Just, uh, Artistic not just injections. All the, like uh, crazy shit going down with our characters, but like we had this amazing crane shot with smooth jazz playing as we kind of started watching the uh, trash man take out the trash and then like went right into the hotel. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah it was f- like the beginning to a slightly sexual miniseries on like uh, NBC in the 80s. Wow. Wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. Are you making a very specific reference to something? No, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that's what I think. Weird. (laughs) You see a trash man and then... Not the the trash man. Everything else. The, like, crane shot, like, sort of goofy jazz. Yeah, but what about the the trash man? What did you think about the trash man? It was smooth jazz. So it wasn't goofy jazz. It was smooth jazz. Yeah, You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that cat playing saxophone in the beginning of Heathcliff. That's what that was a lot like, this episode. Oh, wow. It was like an episode of Heathcliff. No one should, you know? A, a lot of your cultural references track back to uh, the Heathcliff cartoon, Alex. <laughs> I feel like that's your sort of er text. Like, Listen, um, when, when you eat when, enough fish bones, you become the fish bone, I, I always say. I think that's like Zalbin's first real good memory, and that's why it always goes back to it. It's like his yeah. favorite memory. When my parents left me in a trash can as a baby, I only had episodes of Heathcliff to watch, and that was pretty much it. Wow. Raised, raised by a junkyard cat. You know what who wasn't that? raised by a junkyard cat? Our <laughs> New Orleans correspondent, Brett Macris, who gives oh, us notes go. for the previous episode. He gave us some notes here for Season 2, Episode 6, B-Sides, before we get into the recap, before we get into the show proper. He's going to talk us through some stuff here. So here we go. So I just got done with Jazz Fest and have been at multiple block parties. I've been a hell of a day off here in New Orleans. My notes may reflect this, but first things first. Oh, man, he is really on me about this. Marigny. Okay, Alex is real close to pronouncing this, but I think my phonetics were a bit misleading, so I'll get better detailed. Marigny. The mare is pronounced like a female horse. Oh, look at that beautiful mare over there. Marigny. Marigny. Okay. Uh, I definitely got it right that time. No further notes needed. <clears throat> the show opens with Tandy's perfect scenario hand-in-hand hand with Ty on the banks of Lake Pontchartrain. It's hard to f- believe that anyone's perfect scenario starts on the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. I gotta say, Brett has been, like, hardcore against Lake Pontchartrain <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, well, it's, it's owned by Roxanne. I understand. No, I, that's, that's the part that's not real. It, I mean, it's a big lake. 
I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, the living room, they're all celebrating Ty's acceptance to the police force is pretty typical of a New Orleans home. Crown molding, big fireplace, big windows and history. History and the stories it carries seeps into everything. Ooh, very poetically said. Yeah. I couldn't tell where Tandy and Ty take their imaginary walk, but my wife said it looks like the bayou. Well, I guess we're just paying two consultants now. Well, bring the whole family, Brett. Jeez. <laughs> have, have your newborn baby. Have Brooklyn chime in. Why not? All right, here we go. Uh, here, that means Bayou Bayou St. John, awesome neighborhood with a really cool river flowing through it. Bayou Bugaloo is in a couple of weeks, and the river is flooded with homemade floats and rafts and big inflatable floating devices. People cool. barbecue, and there's multiple big stages set up up around the water and free concerts all weekend. Those douchebags in the bodega are unfortunately not uncommon. Living here, it's easy to forget that I live in Louisiana because New Orleans is assuredly progressive and accepting of so much. But alas, we live in one of the reddest states in the Union. Often we're reminded of it like that scene in the fake bodega. Ooh, during the all-alone record portion of Tandy's imaginary life, she's walking down Charter Street through the French Quarter. The guy playing guitar is totally normal. Street musicians are everywhere, and it's great. You should pay the ones you appreciate and always tip any street performer you take a picture with it's just courtesy that is very similar to our situation in new york uh where you always need to make sure to tip the times square elmos um, yeah alex you, uh, you're the patron saint. near the times square elmos we're not no, encouraging I, that actually never go near them they will this is not a joke Harass if you're ever in new york people. they will steal your baby that is an actual true thing. Like, they will take your baby. Wow. I've seen this happen out of your arms and take them. I don't know Wait, if it's the same thing with You've seen Elmo take babies? You didn't do anything about it? They, uh, listen, the, the, the babies are taken steal back the baby to Elmo Land. It's like a fairy thing. No, they, they just take the baby to try to get you to take a picture. It's yes. not like they're stealing the babies and running f- for their homes. Oh, no, but but I was in Times Square uh, over the weekend, and I'll tell you what. They've got a lot of um, much higher tech costumes than I remember. I used to work in Times Square. Oh, really? Have they upgraded? Yeah, there's a, a very intense Iron Man costume, a Hulk that was like eight feet tall. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, still, Wonderland. don't ever approach them and stay away from them as far as possible. Yep. Um, Anyway, back to Brett's notes. He says, what? Okay, when Tandy warps to the record store on the pillar, you'll see a bunch of stickers. One of them says, defend New Orleans. And then behind the record needle on the wooden box, you'll see a logo sticker, which is a profile view of a skull with a mohawk. Defend New Orleans is a very NOLA underground niche statement. It's coined by a small t-shirt company that began after Katrina. The statement and the logo go hand in hand, but they may have had to split them up for the show. Defend New Orleans means a lot of things, but it's like the motto, keep Portland weird, or whatever it is. I'm not from Portland. Uh, that is, in fact, the motto. Uh, but defend no, New Orleans. Au- that came from keep Austin weird. Oh, Por- well, what do you co-opted. say about Portland, though? Keep Portland weird donuts? Uh, yeah, c- keep Portland microbrews, I think. Is what oh, okay. I don't know. The donuts are amazing in Portland, man. Yeah, stop. Being Listen, so mean donuts to are just amazing. There's, what? What do you think? A city has a better donut? Voodoo donut is unbelievable, man. I'm yeah, just saying, don- donuts are just good. Donuts so are like don't... the microbrew of the mouth. That's true. That yeah. is true. Uh, okay, where were we? Uh, donuts. 
Yes, New Orleans. Uh, oh, here we go. Defend New Orleans is our way of saying keep it quirky, weird way it is with all its parades and parties and musicians, just everything that makes New Orleans New Orleans. Be good or be gone. Oh, no, wait. The logo appears on the wall behind the bad guy whose name I can't remember at the moment. Blame Jazz Fest. That's Andre Duchesne is the bad guy. Tandy escapes from the ambulance and is across the street from a cemetery that is St. Louis Cemetery Number 2, and my grandfather and a bunch of family I know nothing about are buried there in a family tomb. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but Tandy has a new pair of vans every episode. Uh, apparently that's true. That's really interesting. Thankfully, the Viking Hotel is a made-up hotel. What a great episode. Thanks again. Dear Lord, I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. I don't know if you wanted us to read that part, uh, but uh, the next day he told us my prediction for a hangover was correct. Thank you, Brent, as always. Awesome notes. Now, let's get into the recap for the episode. You probably got some hints for it, but lots of stuff leading into this one. Uh, Tandy and Ty have two different powers. Tandy has light power. She can create daggers. Uh, She can also create a Hadouken ball, and she can also go into people's hopes. Ty has dark powers. He can teleport places. He can go into a place. uh, He can bring people inside of his cloak into a place that we're calling the dark force dimension like it is in the comics. They haven't really used that in the show. And he can also go into people's fears. Uh, Last episode, Tandy was tracking down a human trafficking ring and got captured herself. And in the process, due to Andre Duchesne, who we mentioned earlier, who also got hit with the same Roxxon energy that gave them their powers, he was able to go in her mind and essentially trick her into giving up her daggers. She gave up her powers. She gave up her hope for his despair. He's a little bit of a riff on the comic book uh, villain Despire. Uh, it's also, I assume, actually pronounced despair. Um, I would think it is, actually, Alex. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you know, I like there's the, a, that southern twang you threw in there. Yeah, the twang was nice, there. man. Despair. 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 Yes. Uh, so he gets these horrible headaches. The only way he can cure the headaches is by essentially absorbing other people's hopes, taking all the hope out of them. But there's double poopers there. He takes those girls, he kidnaps them from impoverished neighborhoods using other people that he works with at his social workplace uh, and pimps them out, essentially. We find out much more about that this episode, but that's what's going on with him. Other characters you probably know about, uh, there's also Detective Bridget O'Reilly that was also split in two by this strange energy. The Detective Bridget O'Reilly left on the outside is very meek. She doesn't have a lot of power. She doesn't have a lot of skill. She's very scared about things. But then there's another one, which we're calling Mayhem, uh, and she was sucked inside of the cloak. Now, inside the Dark Force dimension, there's a couple of areas, including a, a gas station, which you don't really need to worry about. The main area you need to worry about is the records store. There's a big record store that has, I don't know what you guys would call it. It's not exactly memories. It's more feelings, ideas. It's something that memories, memories. It kind of is because Andre was able to use it last episode to take Tandy through a bunch of alternate universe scenarios in order to figure out her weakness and take play or hope. So there's a couple of area uh, characters who are wandering around in there. Mayhem is trapped in there. Uh, Audrey Deshane is able to access it, and both Cloak and Dagger, Ty and Tandy, don't know about it necessarily. Uh, Tandy went in there, but it's unclear exactly what it is. One other character that came out of there. Oh, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, I think uh, the the record store is like, it's almost like what your top of mind personality Mm -hmm. is, it feels like. In this episode, especially, the way that Andrea controls Ty 
feels like it's just like the driving force of your feelings at any given time. Yeah, I, I think that's of, fair. I oh, kind of look ahead. at it as like a waiting room, like in Beetlejuice. You know, it's like as you're stuck in the kind of like record store waiting kind of a limbo situation. Yeah, there was that dude who said, Coach, I think we died. Yep. That, you know, yeah. definitely indicated yeah. that you're right on the Beetlejuice front. And there's uh, also so anyway, the head shrinker. Don't forget about the head shrinker. No, you can never forget about him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, other things that you probably know, there's a detective called Connors who framed uh, Ty for the murder of Bridget's cop boyfriend. He was in the Dark Force dimension for a very long time, had all essentially all of the evil sucked out of him while he was in there and came out, offered to help Ty uh, clear his name. In the process, uh, Ty brought Connors to his father. His father kicked the shit out of him. Uh, so Ty brought Connors to to his mother. His mother is a lawyer, uh, but tied him up, and that's where we last left Connors. Um, what else? I, th- I think that's pretty much it, and we'll probably cover everything else as we walk through the episode. So, Justin, you want to walk us through? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so we, what, as we, I oh, guess. Yeah, before we get started, I just want to get your guys' take on the whole headaches, uh, migraine thing, because uh, personally, I've seen people with migraines, like, take other people's hope, and I think it's kind of fucked up, so I just wanted to see if, like, you also guys agree with that before we get into the episode or not. I mean, great question, Pete. I would say I get some pretty bad headaches sometimes, and I just mm-hmm. drink a Coke instead of people taking oh. people's hope. Nice. So those are both options. Both are options. You can go Actually, Alex, the main ingredient in Coke is hope. Oh, so shit. you're you're drinking people's hopes. Um, oh, and Pete, let me ask you, did you lose your hope at some point? Um, not quite yet, but it's almost all the way to gone, yes. So, you know. Oh, okay. Great. Well, well, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll have a Coke near you and we'll just see what happens. It'll be a fun, <laughs> stay fun away time. From the, stay away from the jazz trumpet, Pete, is what I, I always want. I also uh, saw that in Doc Hollywood, though, is, you know, if you're in trouble, just drink a Coke. That usually helps. Man, you're, like, on it with these references today. Yeah, yeah dude. Beetlejuice and Doc Hollywood, you said? <laughs> <laughs> Super fresh stuff, yeah. guys. What, real quick, uh, I'm going to do a count of three. What's the best Michael J. Fox movie? Ready? One, wait, wait, two, wait, 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 wait. three. I got to think a little bit before you. Okay. No, no, no. One, no, two, three. Doc Back to Hollywood. the future. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> what Doc were you Hollywood. saying, Zelvin? I was saying Doc Hollywood. Oh. Where'd what were you saying, Pete? Back to the Future. Nah, it's Doc Hollywood. Some, All right, let's get into the recap for the episode. Answer. Justin, walk us the, through it. The secret of my success. <laughs> uh, so we start on the jazz trumpet that Pete uh, talked about and so effectively uh, turned me on, um, where uh, Tandy is uh, is trapped. Um, Andre's playing it, and once he's uh, taken the hopes out of someone, that gives him the, the freedom to just get into some sick jazz, uh, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting connection for him. He's a villain due to the muse, his love of music. Well, the interesting thing about this episode, we found out that Andre Duchesne was the big villain of the season last episode. This one, I think, spent some time... I, I couldn't tw- I couldn't quite tell if they were trying to elicit sympathy for not him or just explain his motivation. What was your guys' take on I, that? I think they were just kind of explaining it. I mean, he definitely feels one way about it. Uh, he doesn't think it's that bad, but I definitely think uh, it was just kind of like him trying to sh- share what his motivation was. 
and I think he's trying to make her feel sympathetic, uh, but I, I don't think yeah. we're supposed to feel sympathetic for him. He yeah, seems he's guy. a liar, uh, yeah. and he is just saying that's how he's internally justified all the horrible things that he does. And maybe let's follow his track for the episode because he's sort of philosophizing with Tandy, and he she's like, "No, you're uh, you're trapping all of us here. This is horrible." Um, and he's manipulating her, lying to her, telling her that Ty is dead when we all know he's not. And she doesn't believe him, but she tries to pull her dagger, and she can't because she has lost all of her hope. Uh, yeah, great scene. Um, so he, uh, he and the interesting thing I would mention about that scene, we'll get to how it eventually resolves itself later on. But certainly, when they did that, I we've had a lot of questions about how their powers work, and mm-hmm. watching that, I was wondering if she legitimately was having a you know, Spider-Man 2 situation where it was her holding herself back or whether she had actually given away her powers. Were we going to see Andre use the light daggers at some point uh, the way that she did? And ultimately, that's clearly not how it works. Also, uh, I was worried if she didn't have access to her powers, maybe that meant Ty also didn't. hmm. But, you know, the way he was kind of going around that warehouse picking up evidence like he runs the fucking police department you know it didn't seem like he had any problems well here's the thing anybody can jump in at police work at any time that's something we've learned yeah. from nbc in the 80s right yeah Justin? Well, also that's that's what citizens arrest is you can just uh, <laughs> pop in and be like i'll handle this one guys i yeah. do it a lot on my also, way to work i think the takeaway from police academy was also that as well yeah <laughs> there's one thing better than a badge it's being tall or being um steve gutenberg or just having some sound Listen, effects if uh, you're talking honest, shit about hightower right now i am not gonna stand for it you know it's funny i i feel like maybe on the last podcast we did for this we talked about police academy movies quite a bit we did we did yeah and we were like oh it's too bad pete isn't here and what? we had a little bit of a debate about whether you would be into the Police Academy movies and talking about them. I think it was not a debate. We fell on the side of into it. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, big time Honestly, into it. If I had to, if I was in some sort of game show situation and someone was like, can you name all the members of Police Academy? <laughs> I would be like, no way, of course. And I bet you Pete could. Yeah, I, I would be like, I'm going to phone a friend. Even if I was on Jeopardy, I was like, let me just call my friend. I never <laughs> believe this. He can name every member you of Police Academy. You guys weren't raised on the Police Academy movies? Just me? I'm not uh, a psychopath, so I would say no. <laughs> I was raised on breast milk. Oh. <laughs> Weird. Uh, Police Academy is really the breast milk of movies. So yeah, let's get cute. back to the recap, maybe. Uh, we so, were following yes. Andre to shame. Yeah, we're, we're following Andre. So he... Uh, He's he is in control of the hotel. Uh, yeah. Tandy's trapped there, um, so he goes and he uh, Ty is trying to find Tandy, and uh, Andre bumps into him. He touches Ty's hand oh, and shit. instantly uh, has added Ty's uh, records to his record store and is basically inside of Ty's head. Oh, interesting. So I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly how this dark force dimension works, whether. Right. It is a parallel dimension, whether it's this shared space between everybody. Um, and we get more wrinkles on that you. because just to jump ahead a little bit, Andre encounters Emoji Girl's mother. Uh, we didn't mention Emoji Girl. That's Ty's kind of on again, off again girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother is a voodoo priestess. Hell yeah, uh, she and, is. Yes. And she 
and Andre end up also going to this record store because she's able to access it as well. She talks a little bit about the rules and says, yeah, you know, the people who can touch this force, touch this dimension are all allowed to go there. But we've talked about this before on the podcast. Given the evidence of this episode, is it a place? Is it a shared space in people's minds? What do you think it is at this point? I mean, I think it's it's more he's forcing his way into their minds like he's in control of them when he is in once he touches them and has access to their quote unquote records. So I I think it's not playing on Ty's powers as much. I think it's playing on the Ty Tandy shared power of being able to access people's feelings and Mm -hmm. take them or or, uh, change them a little bit. This guy has a more aggressive form of that, I think. I, I think it's kind of like a uh, thing where if you're, you know, one of those like higher class frequent flyers, you get access to like an elite club and uh, you can kind of go in there in any different location that you want. Any different airport kind of has them and it's kind of like a shared space for people who are, you know, are higher up on the food chain. So it's like the Admiral's Lounge of uh, superpowers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's probably what the writers thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Andre, though, to keep following him along, uh, he uh, does kind of follow the clues inside of Ty's mind. He sees the uh, vivet that is inside the record store there that uh, Ty and Tandy had seen before, uh, sees the memory of the voodoo priestess, goes, tracks her down, and as we mentioned, she doesn't trust him at all. Like, not was, one bit. I was scared, though, when uh, he showed up at her house. Mm-hmm. But I was so yeah. happy when she caught on. Well, I think this comes down to his motivation here, because yeah. I think what I got in the scene, I was also terrified with her for her. I thought he was trying to trick her, yeah. but I think he was actually pretty straight up in his conversation with her. He's mm-hmm. saying he has these headaches. He wants to get rid of them. He doesn't want the pain anymore. And she reveals the information that if he is able to unlock this vivet and unlock the, well, what he thinks is unlock the door in this record store that has the vivet on it, uh, that he will will potentially be able to become close to a god, a Loa, uh, who is, uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of like a voodoo demon type thing, sort of. Um, yeah, so, powerful figure. Yeah, so what he reads it as in typical vision, villain fashion is, great, I'll become more powerful, I won't have these headaches. Yes, this is absolutely something I want to do. But she's pretty clear with him that it's not going to be all he thinks it's cracked up to be, which to me suggests the direction we're going into the season is he is going to be able to do that at great cost, but ultimately that's going to be almost like his Disney villain undoing, where he's going to become Aloha, and that's going to be the thing that's going to take him down. You're talking Jafar. He's going to Jafar himself. Straight up Jafaring. Godlike power, itty bitty living space. (laughs) <laughs> Again, we're doing really great references from like late 80s, early 90s. This that episode. is a contemporary movie, Alex. There is a live action remake happening very oh, okay. soon. You were referencing the upcoming Will Smith version, exactly. not the old cartoon version. Of course. Like everyone has already agreed, Will Smith is the only genie that anyone respects. <laughs> oh, fuck you for saying that, man. <laughs> Yo, no one believes that. Like, truly, that is goofy. 
That yeah. blue paint, it's it's not worth I, it. I, I don't know what's going on with that movie, but look forward to that on a future Cloak and Jabber podcast where we recap the new live-action Aladdin. <laughs> uh, get, get I think I know where it's going. Yeah, getting back to Andre, though, the other thing that's going on in the scene is Mayhem is watching from behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, she is seeing what's going on, uh, and the voodoo priestess sees her, and waves her off, which is yeah, very gives her interesting. The not yet, kind of uh, chill out. Yeah. Now to jump over to what's going on with Mayhem, and this is definitely jumping around here, but I loved what was going on with her in this episode. You know, she was essentially yeah. set up first as a twist, then as the villain of the season. Now we have Despair, Andre Duchesne, as the real villain of the season, and she's almost in a way. She's not actually chaotic evil. She's like maybe chaotic good or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she was helping. I think she's just chaotic, which is another yeah. word for mayhem. Yeah, mm. but she was helping, though. I don't know if she was being chaotic as much as she like was really helping Ty, uh, you know, get a hold of his emotions and get back on track. Well, she it, needs him if she ever wants to escape from the from inside of him. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. And even when she was on the outside, she was coaching Tandy along. She was trying to make her into this new vigilante. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to look at her motivations here. But I also even liked the performance from the actress who plays Bridget O'Reilly slash Mayhem, because she's just her movements are so much more loose when she's playing mayhem, she's just very casually tossing the records and breaking them. She's throwing them around. She's so different physically than the way that despair treats the records where he's very carefully placing them on the turntable each time. It's kind of fascinating to see. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, I got to say all of these combining those characters and her not knowing exactly what she's up to. And Andre, who has this sort of like purple man from uh, Jessica Jones Mm -hmm. or Legion from Legion, like vibe, uh, but a dark take on that. Like, I feel like it's just all these characters are in such great spots to not for us to not know what's going to happen next. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So why don't we jump back to what's going on with, uh, do you want to do Ty's parents maybe? Because that's almost a separate storyline. Oh man. Ty's mom in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, Ty's mom has Connors taped up in her living room. And most of the plot line there is her deciding what to do. She is dealing with the man who killed her son. Yes, Pete, you are raising your hand for a question. What's going on? Well, what I love is it's the classic mom moment of like, we're going to sit down. I'm going to make something. We're going to talk. And then your fate is going to get decided like with how this goes, with how this talk goes. And for me, that was like such a... You're like, oh, shit, you got to sit down and talk to mom like that. That was like such a powerful, cool thing that that I think happened this episode. Like you've got to have the talk and you've got to convince mom of what your you know worth is. I thought that was such a cool thing. 
And it's been really cool, like, their character, especially the mom's character arc from last season into this season, where she's, like, sort of buried her, uh, the pain of losing Billy, and now Ty is pushed to a breaking point, and I think we get to see her in this episode go through it, fall apart, stay tough, seem like she's gonna, like, murder him, and then maybe just not, maybe let him go, he almost escapes, like... It's really for such just like little interstitial scenes. It's great. Yeah, the emotional yeah. roller coaster, especially the way she plays him, uh, was really great uh, to get him to reveal like where he was buried, where her son was buried. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean that ends up being the ultimate thing is that Connors reveals that he left a dummy body uh, for the son, so the son is actually buried somewhere else. So they're going to look for him next episode, presumably. Um, one thing that I want to throw out at you and actually at Brett Macris as well, at the beginning of the episode, she says, oh, I always like to cook something when I'm thinking through something. So she's going to make this crab boil. Uh, she pulls the crabs out of this enormous paper bag with tongs. Yeah. Is that how they transport them? I guess I'd be curious to hear Brett, our resident chef, talk about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I would assume it would just be like, you know, the... Crawfish boils are so popular down there that you would just kind of like stop at like a side street thing and just buy a couple. They put it in a bag and then you're taking it to your house, you know. Well, these are still alive. She's going to cook them. So, yeah, uh, they they sell them a lot. Did you think, though, when she pulled them out that she was going to sick those crabs on Connors at some point? Because that was my thought. Really? Classic death by crabs. Very slow. Very long. Often you don't die. It's like in The Little Mermaid, that scene in The Little Mermaid. You guys know what I'm talking about. No. Uh, is it the one where he's like, kiss the girl? Yeah. And then she dies. Oh, yeah. man. Horrifying. Always horrifying. 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 Uh, and the father comes over later on. He also kind of wants to kill Connors, but she calms him down. They have a conversation, and they eventually more, are going to go. It was more like an argument. They were kind of yelling back and forth. Sure. It was like a loud conversation. Yeah. yeah, Alex doesn't know the difference. I don't. I, I yell just, everything. I'm in. I'm at level ten at all times. Well, yeah, I just you're was peaking. Little, I was a little disappointed because I was hoping maybe we would get them getting back on the same page, kind of getting back together scenario. Now that they kind of getting some answers that kind of pulled them apart. Uh, but I guess I'm just kind of rooting for that for them to get back together. Yeah, by the way, if you guys are interested, you check out Pete's Marriage Advice Podcast <laughs> on the same LePage. Yeah, every chapter ends with, just get back together. <laughs> Come on, it's guys, advice, just guys. get back together. It's good advice. Yeah. Come on, guys. So, jumping over to Ty and Tandy. Uh, Ty is trying to track Tandy down the entire episode. Um, remind me what, what happened. So he goes after, he encounters Andre. Mayhem starts essentially playing around with him a little bit and starts giving him these clues. Yeah. Specifically, she almost summons an ambulance in a way. Well, with one of the she, records. I think, well, that's what was interesting about how the record store works. Uh, another fold to it because she puts on Tandy's Perfect Day, that album, and then a yeah. bunch of ballerinas get on the, the bus he's on. Then she takes that off and puts on, uh, I forget the name of the next one, but that's when, or it's the ambulance sound effect, and then the ambulance shows up. So, By the way, I, I just want to mention, uh, we've talked about this sort of thing on the podcast before as well, but that shot with the ballerinas on the bus. So what happens is there's yeah. a bunch of tidy little ballerinas get on the bus. Ty looks very happy about it. He's been very confused since his encounter with Andre. The record cheers him up and focuses him up, uh, and we just see the camera 
on this bus swivel from one ballerina to the other side and then back. And when he's back, he's teleported outside the bus. Uh, and the ballerinas look shocked and excited and kind of wave in the air where he used to be. And clearly it's just the actor dipping down below the seat, you know, or getting him out of the shot in some way. But I love that. Like, I love just tidy little camera tricks like that. Like, you don't have to have a big special effect every time. Sometimes it's a simple thing that works really well, and I thought that was nice. It's a little practical magic. Oh, like the movie with Sandra Bullock. Oh, my God. The references must end. <laughs> uh, that It made me think um, that those scenes that the, the record store, like the that the ballerinas and the ambulance driving past wasn't actually happening. That was just Ty getting the ideas. And because he was, he's been influenced by Andre, the, uh, the feelings are so intense that they're sort of manifesting around Mm -hmm. him visually. Um, but then he tracks down the ambulance is the only thing. Like he gets that ambulance. It's one of the drivers who has been uh, trafficking these girls working as, I don't know, the the drivers essentially for Andre's human trafficking ring. Uh, and he takes him down, goes in there, cloaks right in there, cloaks, takes the guy out, steals the ambulance uh, and drives to go rescue Tandy. Pete, what were you going to say? Now... Because he was using the spray paint, was that's the, the he was using the symbols that he he learned from the voodoo priestess? Because it was like dark and it was hard to see what he was actually spray painting, and like that's how he was able to get to the ambulance. Yeah, he he's been using these vases to focus his teleportation to go to the place he needs to be. This scene I thought was so well shot and so cool. As you were saying, he takes a bunch of spray paint, he goes on a roof and draws an enormous vivet because he knows he needs to track down Tandy. And they have this gorgeous shot from very high above the New Orleans skyline of him standing on the roof of the vivet. Yeah, great music playing too as that was all happening. It was really good. That's another night that I'd throw out there that we have talked about a lot is the use of music on the show. Yeah. I love that they're just leaning into it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's gone from the music being this great feature of the show to being the main focus of the show. I love it. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah. I love all the music. I think it's, it's really well done. And especially later when we kind of get a showdown. Uh, But I would like to say, we were just talking about uh, Ty teleporting with the ambulance the scene where he like teleported out of the ambulance as it was crashing into the hotel, I fucking was going nuts. That was so cool. Well, that we'll get there cool. in a moment. Uh, yeah. The whole end sequence was superb. Really but to jump back to Tandy and what's going on with her. And let uh, me just say, Alex, before you jump out of this, since this is probably the last time we'll get to hear you say Vive, the way you say Vive is almost <laughs> ASMR. It's like, wait, really? It's like very calming. Oh, thank you. I thought you were going to say something insulting, so I appreciate that it was nice. Nope. Wait. Nope. Oh. I'm all compliments. Wow. <laughs> That's correct. I was, I was waiting for a little, a little jab or something at the end, and it didn't come. I don't even know how I'm saying it, but I appreciate it. I, well, if, I hope I don't uh, affect it, sort of uh, Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's cat oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, man. Vivi! Oh, no, Vivi! That was, oh, was awful. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are referencing Doc Hollywood, I'm referencing Schrodinger's cat because I'm a high class motherfucker. Wow. <laughs> right, Let's jump cool. over to Tandy. So she is uh, being trapped in this hotel, and we find out a lot of awful, awful, awful stuff about this human trafficking ring this episode. Yeah. She is. 
they keep telling her she's devoid of hope, but she's not, clearly not completely devoid of hope. She's given up her dagger, um, but she's not quite as trapped as another girl that she meets this episode who has been completely have all of her hope ripped out of her. There's the You're talking about the tattletale? The rat? You're talking about the rat lady? Yeah, the rat. Are you going to insult this lady who has been captured by a human trafficking ring and devoid of all hope? No, but, you know, it was upsetting, okay? I was still upset at her for a little bit, and then I was proud of her, but it, I was a little upset. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what a dad. <laughs> uh, so uh, this girl that Tandy meets uh, has lost all of her hope. What she finds out is they're all taken to this hotel called the Viking Town Hotel. Um, Viking Hotel, right? Not Viking, Viking Town? Hotel. Viking Hotel. Viking Hotel. There's only one uh, way in, one way out. Yes, uh, and she's told what they do is they do laundry. They clean up the place. Uh, it's not too bad. They just live here. That's really all they need to do. Of course, that's not really all they need to do, uh, but that's what she's told, at least at the beginning. Uh, and they work for Andre. They work for this woman who works for Andre, and they keep everything clean. Uh, and they have been told repeatedly that anybody who tries to escape dies. And in fact, as Tandy finds out later in the episode, they were told that all these girls who Tandy and Ty rescued a couple of episodes back died in the process of escaping, which, of course, Tandy knows is not true. Yeah. Now, because Tandy is not completely devoid of her hope, she tries to escape from the hotel. She runs out. She gets trapped immediately. As Pete mentioned, she's told there's only one way in, only one way out, just like a, a Viking stronghold used to have. Uh, and she's taken back and she's drugged. She's drugged by the girl. Uh, she's basically powerless and frozen. She is dressed up in Horrible. a pretty white yeah. dress and a headband. It's terrifying the entire time. Um, yeah. She is told that Ty, I think she's told Ty is dead, right? And Yeah, multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, and she just doesn't believe it, but she literally cannot move. And then we get a horrifying sequence towards the end, which I thought was... So effectively done, where a man comes in to the hotel room oh, where dude, she's sitting I was frozen losing on the bed. It. Yeah, I was like, and, "What am I about to watch right now? What are we doing?" And it puts money down on the table. Of course, oh. it's clearly a sexual thing. But what I thought was so effective and so terrifying about that is they never showed the man's face because it doesn't matter. It's all yeah. about what's happening to Tandy in that moment. Yeah. yeah, so well done, so horrifying. The way that these uh, this like um these characters are all emotionally trapped there, and uh, but, it's just the the show is very dark. And so when we get to finally see the girl that we didn't think was going to be able to come back, uh, she's ta- Tandy talks her up a little bit. She f- steals a phone from the security oh, yeah, guard. That was huge because he's like the candy robot stole my Snickers, um, which <laughs> was uh, huge. The, yeah, the no, vending machine stepped up. Vending yeah. machine saved the day, man. I mean, yeah. listen, I am never going to be able to go up to a vending machine without thinking about it as a candy robot from now on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then her hope is reignited by, uh, Google, by Googling herself, so just like all of us. Um, uh, <laughs> can we talk about the uh, showdown here before we get to the complete end here? Well, yeah, yeah. So Tandy gets yeah. her, da- da- her dagger back. Uh, no, no, no. The-, the showdown at the record store. Yeah, well, when mayhem, mayhem is trashing the the record store. No, no, when it's uh, the uh, voodoo priestess versus uh, evil guy Andre, there, Andre the evil, uh, we talked evil about trumpet that. player. What yeah, did you want to say about it? 
Well, I just love the kind of dueling music that they had. And then it was that amazing setup of like the baby and then he to counter it, like the start of life. And then he had the heartbeat. And then it was like they were slowing it down. So it was like stopping that baby's heartbeat. It was like so powerful, so well done. It was just like such a really interesting way to kind of have this battle between good and evil. It was very cool. It was cool. And if you like that, you should go to a DJ battle. Oh, I, I do. I think they're fantastic. There yeah, they go. always play for a baby's life. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so uh, we get what? the final confrontation all happening at once. Uh, Tandy's gets her daggers back. Uh, Mayhem is trashing the record store. Ty's driving an ambulance into the hotel, teleporting all over with. They're fighting. It's just so well done. Tandy's like oh my cutting God. her way she's through these bursting walls. bursting through walls. Yeah, There's she's like thing knocking she, down walls. Uh, she's like uh, straight Ty's up Jason Voorhees. It's unbelievable. That's great. They meet uh, in the middle of the hotel room, and then Ty falls over. Something's wrong with the Dark Force. Yeah, and it just starts spreading out all over the room. Now, again, the way that this was staged and timed was so good and so well done. Just the music is building. As we mentioned, Tandy smashing through walls, Ty teleporting all over the place. It's intense. It's this incredible, incredibly staged action sequence. Honestly, one of the best superhero action sequences I think I've ever seen. Oh, stop it. Stop with that nonsense. No, it's it's like this number one, Avengers Endgame, like number 10, and then a bunch of stuff in the middle, I would say. Dude, fuck you, man. Yeah. Some game, of, some Game Did, of Thrones episodes. Um, there's a great, there was some great scandal, stuff in Scandal. Some great stuff in Scandal. Yeah, um, uh, Doc Hollywood, of course, number two. Yep, that great TV show, Doc Hollywood. You're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it was great action sequence, uh, and then the way that they immediately cut it off as soon as they saw each other was so emotional and yeah. so powerful. Uh, and then there, as you mentioned, there's that moment at the end where the dark force just starts spreading out of cloak and they're completely engulfed in blackness and they don't know what's going on. At Pete? first I was worried it was cause they touched each other, but cause you know, sometimes if they are too close, that can cause a thing, but that hasn't been the thing lately. I'm wondering if it's because of what the voodoo priestess was doing in the limbo world or in his cloak that it was kind of affecting him. I think it's mayhem breaking all those records and upsetting his yeah. tummy. Oh, yeah. because as we know, the dark force is inside of his tummy, and he probably got a bad tummy ache. You so just it probably ruined, just has to you drink just ruined, a coke. You ruined, yeah, coke. Yeah, he needs a coke. He needs a coke. He wants to get <laughs> get him a coke. You uh, just ruined ruined Vive by saying tummy. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, w- Justin, well, wait, you, wait, Justin. What do you think? What do you think, Abbott? I think uh, it's uh, mayhem shattering all the records and just generally uh, shits. He's doesn't understand his powers. He's got mayhem trapped in there. Connors is out. He's been influenced by Andre. He's just been uh, shaken up like a, like a, a bottle of seltzer. So almost like a tummy ache. You're fucking agreeing with Zalvin. <laughs> yeah. I would uh, never use those words. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, another great episode of Cloak and Dagger. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about the episode before we start to wrap this up? I love this show. That's it. Yeah, I'm just really impressed with the uh, characters that we get to see and the way they get to showcase emotion. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, it was just really impressive, some of this stuff, Um, even if it's just like small bits, like that whole thing with the mom where she's like playing with the knife. Uh, It's just really intense and great. 
Yeah. Who won the episode, Cloak or Dagger? Justin, would you like to go first? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give it to Dagger. She was in a very bad situation. Tandy uh, held on to her hope in a hopeless situation, and she kicks a major ass at the end of the episode. Great stuff. Pete, what about you? I'm going to say Mayhem. She really saved the day with... uh, (laughs) You know, helping uh, tie out with the, you know, the ballerinas and the ambulances. Yeah, I, I got to go with Dagger as well. Just Olivia Holtz continues to completely astonish me on the show. She is so good. And being able to create that amount of emotion by being completely still on a bed made that scene terrifying. And it was entirely with her eyes and the emotion that was coming out of it. I thought it was fantastic. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Cloak and Dagger. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Also at Cloak Jabber for dedicated Cloak and Dagger content. You can check out the podcast and more podcasts at ComicBookClubLive.com. Also, you can subscribe iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the platform of your size. Uh, choice, excuse me, and we'll see you next time on Cloak and Jabber Vive. Vive. There's a Vive on my duvet. It's a duvet Vive. <laughs> <laughs>